everybody. Welcome to another episode of Friends Talking Nerdy. This is Tim Jasmo. And I am Kim. How's your week been going this week? Um, well, good now that I'm not working. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> and you? Uh, doing good. Um, same old, same old. Um, I did get some work in on, uh, production for episode 100. Oh, that's right. You did, didn't you? Yep, that was fun. Right on. Definitely liked it. I got my hair cut today. Nice. And I got it colored again, too. Yep. Well, the same color, right? It looks like yeah, the same it's, it's kind of a, a, a burgundy purpley color. <laughs> I like it. You can see I'm very observant. Um, <laughs> it's okay. Women have a lot more words for colors than men do, I think. Okay. Yeah, we are pretty simple at times. Simple's a good word, yeah. <laughs> what would you say? <laughs> <laughs> no, simple is, is good. Um, it it that, that, sums, that sums it up. Okay. Well, um, you may hear some occasional uh, guests on the show today. We decided to see if uh, Peach and Phil wanted to uh, be guest stars temporarily. Those are the cats, by the way. Yeah. The show mascots. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Peach is sitting next to me right now purring away. And Phil's in the other room kicking litter out of the litter box because that's what he's good at. Great. Yep. Anyway, what a transition. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're talking about our kids, basically, so. Yeah. Well, uh, coming up on a bit of a personal anniversary uh, in my life, on March 1st, 2011, my mother passed away. I'm so sorry about that. Yeah. Well, uh, she'd been battling not only with raising me and my sister growing up, but um, <laughs> with, uh, with her last decade of her life uh, was non-cancerous brain tumor. She dealt with multiple uh, brain operations uh, and everything like that. So, uh, you know, it was sad, but a lot of it was also relief at that point because, mm -hmm. you know, she wouldn't have to worry about that again, of course. But um, it just made me think because, you know, Facebook messages. I remember back at that time, a few days beforehand, we were given word. Uh, my sister is the, gr I say manipulator in a good way because she has a way of being able to find, like she was able to get um, two plane tickets for free by asking the right people. Wow. To uh, get us uh, to Grand Rapids and back. So, wow. Yeah. That, that's a good skill to have yeah and it's good that you know somebody with that skill that's it yeah it's great if i become famous she'll be my manager and dog walker um <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah we uh, i knew a few days beforehand so i saw on facebook messenger and it was just reminiscing about you know that time i mean i remember thinking on the one hand um, my mother did not like my ex-wife at all oh and um our an the anniversary uh, of marriage to my ex-wife was February 28th. Oh, geez. What I thought deep down was my mother, since she knew that time was coming, was hoping it would be February 28th so everybody would be talking about her and not the ex. <laughs> That's diabolical. I, you never met my mom. I never did, <laughs> apparently. You know, I probably would have liked her, I bet. I would hope so, yeah. Do you think she would like me? I would think she would, yeah. I mean, you're more down to earth than <laughs> others, others that she met. Uh, but that's a different story for a different day. Gotcha. Yeah, but um, yeah, uh, got on the plane 
and uh, traveled there. Um, went from Sacramento, California, did a layover in uh, Minneapolis. And then um, the plane, you know, took us all the way uh, to Grand Rapids from there. Got off the plane, called my uh, now ex-wife on the phone and found out over the phone that, you know, she had passed away. Uh. Yeah. Um, at that point, I was waiting for my friend Chris. This was a... a you know going back home was a great way to you know you know reunite with old friends and family and like i mentioned on the on the show before chris is the brother from another mother type of deal mm-hmm. you know i mean him and i don't have as much conversation as maybe we should but um if he came to town i'm there for him if i go to grand rapids he's there for me that type of deal but um you know we got in his truck and we were uh riding to the highway to um get to the place where my mother was still at and um he took out a joint while driving (laughs) and then um we ended up um the thing with the roads in Grand Rapids is kind of similar in other places too, but just, um, you know, you will have the name of one road, but there can be a difference between Southeast and Southwest, um, mm-hmm. you know, based on that. And we ended up going to the Southeast address, address, the mirror address of the place we were supposed to go. So we ended up waking up some people that didn't know what the hell was going on. Um, and then we came, um, you know to the right place obviously and then you know that's when i was able to see my mother for the last time type of deal you know not anything anybody wants to see ever i guess you know yeah but i remember her just lying there and you know oddly enough you have you ever seen those youtube uh, videos where parents will um have their babies and like move their chins to make it look like the babies mm-hmm. are talking did you do that? No, I didn't. I thought about it. <laughs> like, do a little video, like, I leave everything in the will to Tim because he's super cool. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? Yeah, my mother would have laughed at that. <laughs> but, yeah. And then... Later that night, the um, crematorium folks came, picked her up, and... Now uh, she's, now in, she's in a sack in my closet. <laughs> but... Yeah. Yeah, just, I don't know, one of those deals, it made me realize, too, because that was right about the time that um, I was realizing that I'd been an atheist all along, it made me realize that death is a part of life. Yeah. You know, and it is sad. It's okay to be sad. You know, you know I'm, I'm still sad, but it's, you go on, you know, mm-hmm. you move on, so. Yeah, that's definitely something that I've really come to understand more in the last 10 years because of some of the work that I do with hospice organizations in the area related to my job. Mm -hmm. And, you know, death is a part of life. Everybody's going to die at some point. And all we can really do is hope for a comfortable death and do all we can for our loved ones so that they have a, a peaceful, comfortable death. Or make it cool enough to be on Tosh.0. Oh, <laughs> so are you saying that when you pass you want me to like strap your corpse to a rocket or something like that that something like that that'd be funny okay well i mean hunter s thompson had his ashes shot into the air in, in a rocket johnny depp paid for it yeah that's right and i've actually <laughs> of all the things you can do with ashes there are a lot of things you can do with people's remains um, apparently there's a company that will pack them into shotgun shells so that your relatives, if you're like a hunter or something, yeah. so they can go hunting 
with you for one last time. Oh my god. I even heard that they can like compress them or something like that and turn them into uh, essentially like jewels or. Oh yeah, that's yeah. really common actually. To uh, how or there's a lot of uh, there's not a lot. I don't know how many, but there are quite a few different um, glass artists mm -hmm. that you know, especially like with pets and stuff, can like swirl their ashes into like a pendant or something. I've seen them. I've actually thought about doing that with some of my cat's remains. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know what my mother would want me to do with hers. I mean, I, I think she would laugh that I've been having jokes about it all these years, but she won't. I think she ultimately would want me to do something, you know, so. Well, I mean, there's no reason why you can't use, you can't do, like, a lot of people like dependents. I know there's a couple of glass artists out there that will make, like, little memorial tiles that you can, like, display on your mantle or something like that. Yeah. Things like that. And then you could, like, scatter them. There's always that option. A lot of people want to be like put in the ocean and yeah, stuff like that. All right. Well, you've been reading a book this week. I have been reading a book. It's a brand new book, actually. I read a preview and I thought it was sound. The preview really caught me, and I was like, "All right, I'm just gonna buy this book because I thought it was one of those books that is. It's actually, I think, it's an important book. It's called." Jane Against the World, and it's by Karen Blumenthal, and it's not a fictional work. It's about the history of abortion and abortion rights and birth control rights in the United States. And Jane Against the World, the title comes from this organization that was in Chicago in the, I think it was the 60s primarily, late 50s, early 60s before abortion was was legal i mean it was legal but it was only like there were like all these hoops you had to jump through and you had to have a reason and had to be approved by doctors and a hospital board so like it is in ohio basically but um th that was countrywide i mean you couldn't just say i don't want this baby i need an abortion it wouldn't you couldn't do that it wasn't allowed basically and it was of course it was men you had to get permission from to get your abortion. And they're always reasonable and, and thoughtful. Yeah. yeah. So there was an organization in Chicago. They, they ended up going by the name of Jane just because it was like a code for like, you have a problem you, you, you need help with, you call Jane. Sounds like the opening of the 18th. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does kind of sound like the opening of the 18th. But basically, dun, dun, dun. yeah, it was women it, throwing condoms <laughs> like ninja stars. <laughs> That uh, that would be a show I would watch. Um, but no, this... Um, it's copyrighted, bitches. This organization, they they would um, arrange for women to have... They weren't legal abortions, but they were safe abortions. They were being performed by professionals that knew what they were doing. They weren't, like, basically the whole back alley abortion that you hear about. Like, pro, like a pro bono attorney. They were uh, trained in the medical profession in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, basically. So... They would, um, they would have like two locations. There'd be a location where they'd meet the patient and then they would take the patient to another location so that they wouldn't, they're trying to throw off like any investigators or cops or anybody like this. I mean, it was pretty elaborate, but they ended up, um, getting arrested at, at some point. And these women were so concerned for the privacy of the, the people they were helping that they had like all the index cards with all the patient information. Mm-hmm. They were eating them in the back of the police car. They were eating the cards so that the cops wouldn't get the information of all the people they helped. 
Why didn't the cops take that first? Because this was the '60s. They would. They were like, "Oh, these women are. We'll just put them in the back of the car." Oh. They didn't take their purses away or anything like that. Yes, hello, Peach. Um, I don't know if if the microphone's gonna pick her up because she's kind of far away from it, but she's squeaking and. Well, she found a way last time, so. Yeah, she's very excited to be sitting next to me again. <laughs> so. Yeah. Anyhow, Jane Against the World. It's very interesting because this is all stuff that happened before I was born. When I was born in 73, this was all happening before I was born. And I'm just like so grateful that the, the women who were involved with this work were doing what they did because then their work ended up leading up to more and more liberal laws, which have been backsliding since. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm only about a third of the way through the book. So I... I'm at I'm at 1970 right now. <laughs> okay. But it's it's a very interesting book. It's very well written. It's it's not it, it's written for the general audience, so it's reading very it, it flows really well. It's not going to be one of those sort of history books that you just are slogging through. Well, it depends on on the author too, and and also personal perception. I mean, because I I forgot uh, Doris Kearns Goodwin who. Uh, wrote Team of Rivals. I love that book. Um, but for me, I could sense her passion. You know, she, mm -hmm. you know, it's it, it's the type of deal that, I mean, it, she'd be the perfect type of guest on the show because you get her talking on the subject and boom, you're just enveloped in a world type of deal. What was that book about? Um, Lincoln and how he, he assembled his rivals during the presidential election mm -hmm. before he got elected into his cabinet. Oh, okay. So just interesting concept and... Uh, maybe something more politicians need to be reading today. I don't know. But. Yeah. Well, this it's this book the way it's it's written. It it definitely it definitely flows well, and it's it's not there's not a whole lot of medical terminology you're not going to understand. There's breaks in the book that they're calling pregnant pauses. They're like sidebars, basically, like going into more detail about like what was what else was going on at this time, sort of thing, so that you have more context. Sounds like the like the, how they do the complete idiot's guide to books. Yeah, that's that's kind of what it felt like to me when I was reading it, hmm. but um, but it's definitely it's not one of those complete idiot, you know, dirt or like abortion for dummies or something like that. It's nothing like that. Uh, <laughs> and a guy holding up a hanger with a smile. Oh, God. Oh, that's terrible, Tim. Um, that's what we're trying to get away from. I know, I know. That was... Yeah. Just, I wanted the reaction more than anything. <laughs> you just like making me outraged. Well. As he nods, yep. I like to make you outraged, Kim. Well, I mean... Perry Farrell, come on! <laughs> Don't start. Okay. No, no. I'm I'm just saying no. Jane says no. <laughs> Fuck you, Tim. All right. <sighs> and who who were you reading about this week? <laughs> well. Um, read a New York Times article about Hank Azaria. Hank um, uh, recently came out with his um, the logic behind his decision to leave the character Apu. So um, why don't you explain who Hank Azaria is first? Not everybody knows. 
Well, I would think most people that listen to this show do, but if you do not, um, and you are aware of the television show The Simpsons, he's the voice actor that does uh, that did the voice Rapu, um, but also currently does uh, the voices for you know Chief Wiggum, um, Mo, and plenty of other characters. I mean, he's a vital uh, castmate on that show. And Apu is the the man who runs the the Quickie Mart. The Quickie Mart. Yeah, and yeah. Um, recently. Um, I say recently, but recently for white people, um, it's become uh, brought to white people's attention. I'm just going to bluntly say it just how racist the Apu character was and the types of bullshit that us as white people have put Indian Americans uh, or Indians, uh, if they're, you know, citizens or whatever, you know what I mean, Indians, Mm -hmm. Um, just the bullshit nonsense we've had to go through on that. Now, the one thing I did not necessarily like about the article is this, and it's not about Hank's decision. Hank, you know, I can under, because he talked about at first being a little defensive, thinking along the lines that, you know, admittedly, I used to think about the Apu character because Apu, right now, compared to what he was in the first time he ever appeared on that show, is a well-rounded character. You know, wife, kids, uh, you know, and it, it, there's a lot of depth to that character. And But, yeah, I, I just... The, the thing I did not care for, I guess, in the article was the fact that it was celebrating his decision. Um, it's just... You get a cookie for doing what you should have done in the first place yeah it shouldn't have celebrated his decision it should have just been like hey this is why this is what he did yeah yeah and and, uh, to be clear i think it is important for people in his position to explain why because this Mm -hmm. is a teaching moment here um you know again like i said with the apu character it's a well-rounded character i like apu on the show but yeah you can't you, there has to be some changes now they did talk in the article that um apu is not necessarily gone well so, i would hope they wouldn't just like cut the character because you know are they gonna get somebody who's actually brown to voice him or something that i mean that was alluded to in uh the article and you know why not you could all you could always do something silly and stu- I mean it's the Simpsons it's not a realistic show you can switch a voice in this instance it would be appropriate to switch the voice character unlike um, recasting Mrs. Krabappel for instance yeah you know um, I, I think they could come up with something funny like Apu getting surgery or you know decide or yeah or like Apu has to like or or maybe one of his kids gets tonsillitis and then he gets tonsillitis and he has an operation remove his tonsils and it changes his voice exactly yeah you're welcome simpsons <laughs> <laughs> who knows they may have already done that in season seven um no i don't know but um yeah i mean it's again my focus wasn't even necessarily on the article it's just yeah it, it, this this stuff should be pointed out but not celebrated it's like you know hearing stories of guys like um <laughs> I, I can't I remember this story I heard it um, last night we talked about it during the recording about how a guy who had um, got, this guy wrote an article and, and explained his experience I guess he had an, something wrong with his anus and he had to have you know some type of pad in order oh yeah that story I told you 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I it, it was brought up last night too, but it was yeah the guy um he, yeah he bought bought the cheap pads and irritated the hell out of them, and then he went and bought the expensive stuff and then realized yeah it was you I'm sorry yeah um, but yeah it, it realized that the um, expensive stuff was actually a lot more appropriate and you know the... yeah because he basically had been giving like his girlfriend shit for buying the more expensive pads and stuff when. He, he, you know, he went grocery shopping with her one time and she bought, she was buying the more expensive ones and he was like, well, why don't you get the store brand? And she's like, those suck. I don't want the store brand, but they're $3 cheaper. <laughs> it's like, yeah, but you don't understand. I have to like put it on my intimate bits. I want it to be comfortable. It's just like buying like the cheap toilet paper versus the more expensive, softer kind. Yeah. It's, it's, there's some things you just can't compromise on or you can't cheap out on yeah now with the reason i brought that article up is again that guy should not be celebrated for having that realization it's important that he tell his story i i do agree with that because there are some idiots out there who don't know that yeah well what it comes down to is that we should listen to the people who actually have the experience exactly yeah it's like and there's no shortage of um folks who are of indian descent that can voice a character for the simpsons there's lots of people <laughs> out there who would be more than happy to do it i'm sure so like some actors on a tv show you're watching oh yes i am watching a show Not a segue. well <laughs> the thing is the show i'm watching is british so the they probably well think well, of all I the, spelled think of all the british yeah, yeah i just now thought of that i'm like wait a second there's a lot of folks of indian descent who've grown up in in great britain mm -hmm. so now that would be an interesting plot point on the simpsons this is like all of a sudden apu starts speaking in a in a clipped formal british accent maybe he hits his head and he just starts speaking with an accent that's happened to people before mm -hmm. what peach she's agreeing with you okay all right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the show I've been watching lately, it's called Harlots. Yeah. And it's on Hulu. Um, yeah. No. I don't know. <laughs> Tim's just excited because he comes, he comes wandering into where I'm watching TV and occasionally he catches sights of, of ladies bouncing on guys and he's just like, what are you watching? <laughs> Is she trying to pretend she's a lone ranger? Hi-ho, Silver. Yeah, hi-ho, Silver. Um... Now it's it's a show called Harlots. It's set in away in <laughs> London. It's a costume drama. Um, these are uh, I don't know if it's they've discovered America. Uh, it's somewhere between there's slaves in America at the time, so it's probably early 1800s. Right. I'm just like trying to place like the time frame in my head, so. It's like early 1800s um it, it follows you know these women who run various body houses or whorehouses or whatever you want to call them well they were a legitimate business at that time if i'm not mistaken well it was still illegal but if you knew the right people and you mm. had the right clientele you could get away with it otherwise anyway so i couldn't be a member no probably not um <laughs> thanks for the support <laughs> <laughs> one of the stars of the show is samantha morton uh if you don't know who she is um one of her more famous roles 
was as um, one of the precogs in Minority Report with Tom Cruise. The one she that was, talked? She was the female one, yes. The other two were boys. So she was the female precog. And um, she's great. She's absolutely great. Um, Leslie Manville is one of the other uh, leaders of a body house. She's um, she's in a she's in a movie that's coming out very soon with Liam Neeson here in the United States. I cannot remember the name of it. It's it's one you won't want to see. It's one of those like emotional drama type movies. No explosions. No explosions. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's an all around fun show to watch. I mean, if you for like the whole family, <laughs> not for the whole family. It's definitely it's definitely for mature audiences. Just as they warn at the beginning of the show. Look, Billy, take notes. No, yeah. No. Um, oh, another person who's in it is Liv Tyler. She plays like a uh, a high and mighty, um, well born lady who becomes friends with one of the whores. She has no personality whatsoever. <laughs> You're right, she doesn't, but she looks really pretty in, in the outfits and everything. She looks prettier now than she used to, because she, she, I mean, she put on some weight. She looks much better now, I think. I mean, in the 90s, for her role in a music video, I got no problem with that. But, yeah, just, just wow. I mean, you like... Like those times in The Simpsons where you go to Homer's forehead, you know, to see what's in his head when it's thinking, you know? you just I just expect to hear, like... Oh, it's like a you know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't think Hi, she's like. I don't think she's like the I'm best. Lee. I don't think she's the best actress ever. But I like her. I think. I think she's. I think she's likable. I like I, her in this role. I. I compare her to a Parker Posey. She's just too actressy. Oh, I like Parker Posey. I can't stand her. Because I see her and it's just like, I am an actress. I am playing a part where I work in a bookstore because I'm an actress. I can understand that feeling, but I don't have that feeling about her. I've had that feeling about other people. And and for folks that are listening for the first time, we are both right. This is just our perception. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if you're right in this case. Well, you know what I mean. I know what you mean. (laughs) But anyway, if if you don't mind some sex and naughty stuff and... Um, what would yeah. Jesus say? Yeah. <laughs> What's with you and the voices lately? I don't know. They're bringing laughs. You said you almost peed once. <laughs> I don't know if that was like out of out of laughter or, or fear. I mean, geez. Fear? Sure. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, Harlots on Hulu. It's a blast. <laughs> <laughs> blast off to fun alright All right. so it's time for our album of the week album of the week yes and it was my choice this week and I chose Garbage with their self titled debut album from 1995 and if you don't know what self titled means that means it's called garbage 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 yeah, this album is garbage <laughs> i don't think so I no think no it's no a great no, no. album I, I i was not saying that i was just okay yeah i know i'm just being a smart ass <laughs> because i can because it's our show yeah and we can do what we want damn right all righty 
So the reason why I chose this album is because it's the album that got me into this group and it's very 90s. That it is. It's very 90s, but I still like it. And yeah, uh, there's something that we talk about on a pretty regular basis, which is like songs that that flow together mm-hmm. and the the order in which you put things on an album, which isn't as necessarily as big of a deal now as it used to be. Because now everybody usually just listens to different. They don't always listen to an album all the way through. They just listen to songs Yeah, that are part of a playlist. But with this album, I think it's one of the best examples of a good track list that I've seen in a long time. I think that the track list is actually pretty much perfect the way that the order of the songs are. That was just something I wanted to point out. Okay. All right. Did you have any thoughts about it right off the bat? Overall thoughts, I'm not going to listen to it again, um, but that's just my taste. Um, You know, as always, for new listeners on the show... We give our opinions, and we respect each other's opinions. So, you know, there's it's going to be like Siskel and Ebert, blah, blah, blah. We said that many, many times before. Um, I love Shirley Manson's voice. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I would agree with it flowing well. Um, you know, a lot of that, admittedly, may just be my personal enjoyment of music. You know, if it's not my kind of music, it may flow well for people that do like that type of music. You get, you get my point. Um, I did notice there were a couple of tracks that felt like they could have been in different spots. Um, it was a nice foundation for what they ultimately became and what um, Shirley Manson ultimately became. So, um, you know, most first albums, most debut albums aren't masterpieces. It is rare. I mean, not every... Because the bands that have had major hits with their very first album don't really generally follow it up that much. I mean, maybe an argument could be had for Guns N' Roses, but even then, you know, they they burned out real quickly. Oh yeah, Guns N' Roses, they, they made like maybe two decent albums and that was it yeah everything since has just been shit yep but i think that has to do more with uh axel rose being a dickhead other than anything else well and drugs too and all that stuff yeah drugs and plastic surgery and yeah so much money with not enough uh oh what's the word responsibility foresight Almost well, all those things. Yeah. Anyway, we're not talking about Guns N' Roses. We're no. talking about garbage. Ready to do a track by track? Let's dive into garbage. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing like this big swimming pool just filled with garbage. Let's dive into garbage. Swan dive right in the middle. Like Scrooge McDuck, but <laughs> yeah, but with trash. Be like uh, I like trash. The Okay, first track is called Super Vixen. Thoughts? Um, I wrote that it kind of followed the Nirvana example of loud chorus, quiet verses. Um, I would have liked it if the transitions from quiet to loud were not as clunky. I did enjoy the guitar work, um, and this is going to be a common uh, issue in my opinion throughout the album, but um, I did think uh, Shirley Manson's vocals were uh, muddied uh, in the song. That is not knocking her performance, Mm because again, I love her as a singer, Um, but I I just felt that her vocals were not produced right. 
Yeah, and that I think some of that has to do with this being a first album. But but look who is also in the band, Butch Vig, who produced one of the big, most successful albums of all time. You know, even though this came out on a smaller label, from what I understand, uh, you know, he had access to to equip any type of equipment that he he could have. But even with good equipment, if you're not familiar with the way that someone's voice works, it's yeah. I mean, it, in, a lot of times when you're mixing a f- when you're working with an artist for the first time, you're not going to get the best results. That and I, from what I read too, I, I believe that uh, some of the songs on this album were originally written for a male to sing. So you know, having to essentially rewrite that, it's so. Yeah, again, we'll go into that for each individual track that I noted noted it, but um, I did think that the vocals um, were muddied and could have um, been produced a little better to make them, uh, you know, seem better with the music. Okay, I didn't, I didn't hear that personally. I, I think it's, it was a solid song. Yeah, uh, I, again, my, that's just yep. my opinion. So. Yep. All right, track two is called Queer. This is one of the best tracks on the album, I think. I, it was that's why it was one of their hits, um, but yeah, I, I don't know, just, I just really like the way that it all flows together, her, her, her voice with like the music and, it's, uh, it's really good. I thought it had a great opening, um, and the fact that I could picture it, you know, picture the band playing the song in like a small, dirty club. Oh yeah, t- type of deal. It's I mean, like speakeasy kind of feel. Yeah, it, it, that speaks a lot to the song. I don't think it's perfect. Um, I, you know, I, I think the music on here was more kind of like what you mentioned with, and what I mentioned last week with Casey Musgraves, more functional to the vocals but this is an example where you know it um it did elevate uh, her vocals and mm-hmm. you know so i definitely say it's it's pretty good um not necessarily my favorite on the album but you know what it okay. probably is is that there's some songs on here that aren't as strong and they were probably ones that were recorded first and then after listening to them a few times and then maybe they didn't have the budget to re-record hmm but I think that this one was probably one of the ones they recorded later in their sessions because of the way that it sounds. Yeah. Because it's mixed. It's mixed better. Yep. Okay. So track three is Only Happy When It Rains is the name of the song. Um, this is one of those songs that uh, anytime it rains, <laughs> it comes in my head. Because especially after it's either been like really hot and dry or it when it's been cold and then it's uh and it snows or there's ice and then it warms up enough that it's just rain because i really don't like extremes in weather i don't like it when it's really hot and i don't like it when it's really cold then never go to michigan i know that's one of the reasons why i live here (laughs) and the, the problem with climate change is that it's starting to affect the weather here it's not as middle of the road anymore but that's another story altogether um, but yeah, only happy when it rains. Anytime I do like a theme, I have, I do theme playlists for myself sometimes. And I had like a, a rain playlist where all the songs had to mention rain, either in the title or in the lyrics. Of, the song. <laughs> of course this is on it, but I, I like it. I, I, I don't know what else to say except I just, I like it. There's something about the song. It just gets me. 
I said that it sounds like it can be in a commercial. It probably could. You know, I expect that, you know, I'll use the Nissan example again. This would be perfect for like a car commercial, you know, the new Nissan Spectacular or, or something like that. Um, <laughs> it's a lot more polished than the first two tracks. And it, it for me, that didn't really bring much. I, you know, I didn't think the song was bad and there was nothing really stand out that I can say that was bad with the song. Um, it's just not my cup of tea. Okay. Yeah. Not your cup of tea. Nope. All right. Track four as heaven is wide. All right. So I like the music on this song, but the lyrics kind of bug me. I don't like lyrics about God and stuff. God and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I just they make me uncomfortable I don't like it when songs are overly religious it makes me uncomfortable unless it's like a classic hymn or flat out gospel where the whole point or Scotty playing the bagpipes but that was Amazing Grace I guess that's a hymn that's a hymn you know Star Trek 2 Wrath of Khan um. yeah that's a hymn um, Amazing Grace it's one of my favorite hymns actually um, as heaven is wide it's um because it, it keeps talking about they want to be as far from God as angels can fly. That's it. I'm just like, what? I don't know. So the lyrics are just kind of kind of all over the place. Yeah, and that's a tough thing. I mean, it's like probably the reason why they, you know, say don't talk about religion at work or, you know, in public or anything like that. Because when you put out those lyrics, you're only going to appeal to a small amount of people. It's There's no yeah. real, genuine, religious type of, you know artistry whatever for song making that you can do that's going to make you know muslims um sh you know in in christians and other religions you know all feel it, it says something to them and, and the thing is it's not even really a religious song it's just i don't know there's just something about it i'm just like i don't like these lyrics <laughs> i don't like it <laughs> Stop it. Um, yeah, basically. Um, the notes I had that it starts out breaking into a prodigy song, um, <laughs> which was kind of odd. Um, the vocal mix was muddy again, but in this song I didn't care for. I, I think uh, Shirley sang the um, song a, a little too monotone for my taste. Well, I think it actually was run through some kind of effect. And that's another thing I forgot to bring up, too. I mean, I, I very much do believe that um, the vocals are just as much of an instrument as a guitar, mm -hmm. as anything else. And, and with that, in a studio, if there's a, a digital effect that, or any sort of effect that they can put onto the voice to give it a better texture on a song, by all means, take advantage of it. But when it starts getting hard to understand what's being said, or it really takes you out of the mood of the music, mm -hmm. you know, you got to learn how to balance yeah, that's very true. Um, track five, Not My Idea. This one, I'm, I'm just kind of middle of the road on this one. Because it just kind of... The same lyrics over and over again. I don't know. I just was kind of... Eh. Middle of the road on that one. I put... Um, it sounded like they used a drum machine in the song, um, which considering the fact that they did use real instruments in previous songs was, was a little jarring. Um, I felt th th it was also jarring how it bounced from a dark feeling in the song to 
I believe it was the chorus that sounded like a do, 90s do, pop do, rock do, song. Do, do. Yeah, yeah, just just that dark and light, dark and light. It was just kind of yeah, yeah. Like what what is this supposed to be? You know? Yeah, yeah. It's almost like they had like like two separate songs they just kind of put together. Yeah, which can definitely be done. I mean, the Beatles did it plenty of times. Yeah, that's the Beatles. Um, track six is called "A Stroke of Luck." This is one of the ones that I was kind of like. Another one that I'm like, eh. eh. It's the sort of Jesus-y lyrics. Stroke of luck, a gift from God, blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I mean, I, I put that it had a slow plotting opening. There was yeah. too much reliance on the synthesizers. Another complaint with um, the vocal mix on the song. But at the end of the day, it was just there. It, there was nothing... In the song that made me really go ew type of deal, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. It's just it was there. I mean, it's like there's some bands like um one of my oldest son's favorite bands, Lincoln Park. I can't stand them. Oh fuck, Lincoln Park. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, she said fuck your band. (laughs) Sorry, kiddo. (laughs) Yeah, I'm just I'm not a Lincoln Park fan. I'm just yeah overrated. Um. Yeah, the stroke of luck, it's just kind of, it's, I think the word for that song would be swampy. I mean, the same type of deal. I I think swampy and muddy can be interchanged, really. Well, muddy implies brown and swampy implies green. And songs have colors, if you didn't know that. I do know. Yeah. At least in my head, they do. When I listen to music, I, I see colors. That's called acid. <laughs> now it's just the way my brain works when it comes to. It's like Fantasia, songs. you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's Fantasia in my brain all the time. Track seven. Is that is it like the land of chocolate? <laughs> no, no, okay. land of chocolate's different. Uh, that's a different song altogether. Um, track seven. <laughs> it's called Vow. Um, I don't have anything to say about this song because it's really unremarkable to me. I just can't... I can't even bring it into my head right now. A lot of times, because I've listened to this album many, many times, I can bring, like, the music into my head once I, like, say the name of the song. I can't with this. It obviously has left no impression on me. I think this note will probably encapsulate that song that I wrote. Okay. I could see this song being played over the end credits of a 90 edgy romantic comedy. Okay. Yeah, I mean, think about all the tip, all the types of songs that you would hear from uh, movies during the era, during mm-hmm. the end credits, and I think it would fit perfectly. All right. Yeah. Works for me. Okay. <laughs> all right, track eight's called Stupid Girl. I like this song a lot because we all know a girl like that. Don't we? You do. I know you do. Probably dated a few, right? Yeah. <laughs> probably both have. Yeah. Um. <laughs> High five. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, stupid girl. Oh, I'm back to my head lyrics. Uh, sorry. I'm tired. Um, yeah. I, I. My brain is blank. Tim, help me. Well, I, I put, um, I did, 
uh, like the, the drum opening, they took that from Train in Vain from The Clash. Oh, they did? It, it Yeah, I mean, it's. It, I'm not saying necessarily note for note, but it's the same, you know, type of... Mm-hmm. They'd probably switch something around, but it was definitely inspired by uh, Train in Vain. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of her vamping in the song, and by, by, by that I mean... You know, if you listen to her work on The World Is Not Enough, you know, when she's singing the chorus by vamping, it's just you can imagine her mm-hmm. body getting into it and whatnot. You know, she's she's very much a visual performance, just as she yeah. just as much as she is a musician. But in this case, I didn't quite think it fit. It, it, because, because even on a record, I don't have to see her to you know know, obviously seeing her in clips on tv videos and all that you know you know how she moves and whatnot but you listen to this song you can picture i don't know and that's probably me bringing a lot into it but yeah yeah all right track nine dog new tricks um i think this is one of the weaker tracks on the album this one and the next one um I didn't even know that that's what she was saying in the chorus. I, It's one of those songs that just kind of runs along with the rest of the album. Yeah. And I can kind of sing along to it. But I had no idea that was the words until I started actually actively listening to it t- today. <laughs> it's just like, dog new tricks? What the hell kind of words are those? That's a stupid way to say. It's like, it should say like old dog new tricks. Not just dog new tricks. Or, or something there's isn't she missing. scottish or irish i mean she's maybe scottish it's, maybe it's a cultural thing i mean i suppose i suppose that's possible yeah i feel like it's just missing it's missing something i d- didn't think it was that bad i mean the notes i had i i think the <sighs> deliberate way she sings the slower just more Mm -hmm. that type of deal i i didn't think necessarily fit with this song because this was a little bit more of an upbeat type of deal Mm -hmm. um could have done without the drum machine um that was just a little too obvious and i did write guitar solo was pardon the pun garbage (laughs) i did not intend to bring all the garbage puns no it's totally fine (laughs) um track 10 is called my lover's box okay is unremarkable to me too i can't even i can't even bring the song to mind right now yeah um i i I put it that the vocal mix was pretty quiet at the start um mediocre song um i guess it sounded for me the reason it didn't really hit a chord is that it did sound a little overproduced and sounded just a little too little too 90s for me if that makes sense <laughs> yeah makes sense yeah little too 90s all right track 11 is called fix me now in the 90s we used to say that about the 80s and the 70s i know we did and, didn't we oh, we deserve this we deserve it um track 11 is called fix me now um i'm i'm pretty good with this song um you know, fix me now i wish you would bring me back to life it almost sounds like um like she's coming you're coming back from heartache and then you meet somebody new and you're just like okay i think they might be able to sort of they can fix, hang yeah they can like <laughs> fix my heart sort of thing break my heart break my heart say you love me again 
<laughs> yeah, I worked in a soft rock radio station. I know these songs. Oh my god, those songs! I can I can sing along with. Tony Coming Braxton. soon from KTL Records. It's Perry Farrell and Tony Braxton. <laughs> <laughs> Unbreak my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, good God. (laughs) Fix me now. (laughs) All right, track 12. All right. It's called Milk. Okay, so I like this song a lot. I don't understand the title. And I, some of the lyrics, it's like. I am milk and I'm just like what and then the the chorus and it's kind of sad and but I, I like I just I like the way it I like the way it feels in my ears let me look and see if I can talk and look at the same time but I just but... kind of like the lyrics are so strange but that's what and I'm then look- the chorus is just like I'm waiting so it's like did you did you send your lover to the store to get milk because you had cookies or vice versa? Um, and so now you're singing that you are the milk and, and I'm waiting for you. Cookies, come to me. No. Now I, I want cookies. <laughs> Not this Billy Holiday, damn it. It's Billy IE, if you're looking for that Billy Holiday. And Phil has decided to come join us now. You're gonna say hi. Or you're just gonna rub your face on the, on the box that's yeah, holding don't, up the microphone. Don't the box. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking it wasn't exactly what I thought it was, but I was thinking of the Billy Holiday song "Strange Fruit," and I guess that song was about um, rape or something like that. Huh. And that maybe she was using milk as kind of a poetic symbolism to, to mean something else. Now. Oh, that's possible. Yeah, I mean that's. I, you know, based on how much I like this song, that's put, <laughs> putting uh, a lot more thought into it, I guess. But, you know, I, again, I don't, you know, Shirley Manson, great songwriter. I think that it would definitely be, um, you know, something to think about. Okay. But I would say, as far as my thoughts on a song, it had the Casio keyboard type of opening, which I didn't care for. Um, the vocals were muddy for my taste it got better as it went on and it did remind me of the world is not enough Mm -hmm. um in just you got to hear that song to understand what i'm saying there just how she sings that chorus the world is not you know i remember how it goes yeah but for people that didn't i wanted to sing badly um um, i one thing i also mentioned too is that i wouldn't have ended the album with this track Really? Because I kind of like the way it ends on kind of a quiet note. Uh, To me, it was a depressing note. Oh. It was just, everything was like sort of upbeat, or even if it wasn't upbeat, it had some intensity to it. And then this was just, this is the droopy, (laughs) droopy (laughs) dog of the album. (laughs) (laughs) You're here. (laughs) You know... I, I I like it. I like it when song when albums either like ended on kind of a quiet note or they end it end it with a boom, like a boom, like that, just like that. <laughs> just like somebody coming up to your nose, boop. Yep, sure, just <laughs> like that. Boop. So this album was part of a poll that I put up on our um, friends talking nerdy Facebook page, and I forgot to do one. And you forgot to do one again. Oh. What I will do this time 
I'm not going to name an album today. What? I'm going to put that poll up after I post the episode up because we're recording on Saturday. We're, we're going to release it right away. Um, but once I put that, uh, once I release the episode, I will put the poll up and the poll is going to end on Wednesday. Okay. I think, um, Tuesday. Okay. I think that would be better for... Yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, that um, would give plenty... Because you got to work on Thursday and yep. listening to the album and then you can doing the show. There's a lot of homework for this <laughs> yes, show. Yes, there's a lot of a lot of uh, finagling that goes into choosing albums and yeah. finding time to listen and making notes and all that sort of stuff and still being productive members of society. <laughs> Semi-productive, I guess I should say. Yep. All right. Anything and, else you need to want to say? Um, uh, make sure you vote in November, and if you have local primaries, uh, vote in those Especially too. Especially if you have local primaries, because the local and state primaries are usually where national uh, attention um, is, like five, ten, fifteen years later. Okay. Yeah, and um, a lot of times these local primaries also have other things on the ballot that are important to your local government like maybe school board measures um local elections all kinds of things can happen not everything is going to happen in november if you're wondering why your kids are not able to go on a field school trip and they get taught um with history books written in 1912 it's because you don't vote that's because the school board measures are usually an off usually i mean they're on a lot of elections but their main focus on the news for the local stuff is always during off your elections mm-hmm. and um yeah it, you get people you get do you want an 85 year old person who has no kids or grandkids deciding the future of your kids probably not no you don't um you want to you want to decide that for yourself so get out and vote yeah plus school funding helps pay for things like um arts education including music things like that and it helps it helps with all the different activities that are available at your public schools yep so and even if you don't have kids or your kids are in private schools you should still be voting and approving school board measures because kids in public school will probably be taking care of you at some point in your life and you don't want stupid people as your caregivers but I don't want to pay $20 a month extra on my property taxes. Well, it's not fair. Well, I shouldn't it up. have to pay taxes. Suck it up. Paying taxes is part of what makes America great. It's true. Yeah. We can't be a great nation unless we're helping each other out. And helping each other out includes paying your taxes. And think about it in the financial sense. Like the Wal- like Walmart with underpaying their their employees you think you're getting a great deal when you're spending you know half the amount you would on something like toilet paper than you would by going to a big name uh, grocery store or something like that but guess what your taxes are subsidizing the welfare the a lot of the walmart employees have to go on mm-hmm. and i'm sure you're paying a lot more in taxes than you did by paying you know like a few cents extra for for some toilet paper you bought at walmart yeah don't don't shop at walmart shop at like winco or Costco or any other grocery other co. store, other yeah. co, because uh, most grocery stores are union, except Walmart, and a lot of the yeah, Costco pays their employees well, takes care of their people, 
Walmart does not. So there you go. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, pretty much. On that happy note, we do children's parties, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, invite us to your children's parties. We will tell them to fuck Walmart and talk about harlots and abortion. It'll be great fun for everybody. And then I'll take a musical interlude as uh, Perry Farrell. <laughs> Please do not. I'll sing for the kitty. <laughs> Please do not. <laughs> Old McDonald had a form. <laughs> E-I-E-I-O. No. Right. Yeah. We're smoking crack. No, not literally. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we're done. Let, let's just stop now and forever for- hold our peace. Yes. Well, I mean, we both got impressions now. I mean, cats have been here. No, Um, let's stop. We're done. (laughs) Okay. That is it for another week. We will see you all next week. And remember... It's such a good feeling to know you're alive. It's such a happy feeling. You're growing inside. And when you wake up ready to say, I think I'll make a snappy new day. It's such a good feeling, a very good feeling, the feeling you know that I'll be back when the day is new and I'll have more ideas for you and you'll have things you'll want to talk about. I will too. You always make each day such a special day. You know how by just your being you. Only one person in the whole world like you. That's you yourself. I'll be back next time. Bye-bye. Subscribe to Friends Talking Nerdy on iTunes, the Google Play Music Store, as well as Spotify. Remember to support Friends Talking Nerdy on Patreon. Goodbye, darling.